Welcome to the Spirited Advocate Podcast, brought to you by the Distilled Spirits Council of the United States, the leading voice for the distilled spirits industry. Now your host, Chris Swangart. Welcome back to the Spirited Advocate Podcast, conversations with people who make the spirits industry so much more than what's in your glass. I'm Chris Swanger, President and CEO of the Distilled Spirits Council of the United States. Today, I'm speaking with retired Special Forces veteran co-founder and COO of Horse Soldier Bourbon, Scott Neal. With significant executive, operational, and combat experience, Scott knows how to get things done under pressure. No doubt about that. Today, we'll discuss his story of making the transition from the battlefield to the distillery, the power of American-made spirits, and we'll also raise a glass for our veterans. Welcome, Spirited Advocate Podcast listeners. We've got a treat today because we've got one of our nation's heroes on the line with us, and I'm sure he is a humble man, but let me just tell you, welcome, Scott. Thank you for being here. First of all, what are you sipping today? (laughs) What great bourbon are you enjoying on this beautiful day? Well, I think today I am going to have a barrel strength right? Horse Soldier Barrel Strength is kind of my go-to bourbon. I call it a little victory. So as we sit here and talk about the day, you know, I'm always enjoying a good barrel strength Horse Soldier bourbon. Awesome. Well, for everybody, you have a quite, quite remarkable resume, both personally and professionally, serving in many senior level positions in senior listed advisor to the director of U.S. Special Operations Command Interagency Task Force, I say it again, Scott is one of our nation's heroes, and you know our country continues to go through a lot, but people like Scott Neal is the reason why we live in the greatest country in the world, and it's the reason why we enjoy such great, great freedoms. So, Scott, what initially drove you to serve our country? Could you just tell us that story? Sure, sure. I originally grew up in Central Florida. My family has been here since the early 1800s. I think, you know, almost pioneers for the state of Florida. And my family has been a family of service. I have relatives that fought in almost every major war here from the Revolutionary War. I'm a member of the Sons of the Revolution all the way through to some of the early conflicts of the Mexican-American War, the Civil War, you know, all the way through World War I, World War II. So I was kind of built for a life of service. So when I was 18, I joined the Army in 1986. I was first assigned to Fort Ord, California, and I think my first kind of small combat experience was Panama. So that was 1989, Noriega. And so uh, it just grew from there. So altogether, I spent 25 years in the Army Special Forces, I did travel the world, but I spent most of my time in the Middle East. And I think in 2001, as everybody you know of our age, it's so ingrained into our memories. I could talk to people about the moment they either saw it, they felt it, they heard it, they smelt it. You know, all of these emotions are still there. And yes, we have a younger generation, and a lot of times it's our bartenders and others that may not relate because they were so young. 
But for us, that's what really began our journey, and that's how we became known as the Horse Soldiers. And just so everybody knows, Scott was one of the first Americans into Afghanistan Mm -hmm. soon after 9-11. Were there any experiences or lessons learned while you were serving our country that has helped you prepare your work today in support of the great American spirit? (laughs) I think there's a tremendous, now that I look back, when you're in the middle of the beginning of a small business, entrepreneurism, You have what you have. You have your wits. You have your experiences. You have everything. And all of those prepared us to get into the whiskey business. So what was the most one quality we relied upon? And that is Green Berets are this country's expeditionary entrepreneurs. We go to far off places. We learn culture and languages. We understand our enemies, right, very well. It takes more training and qualifications to become a Green Beret than an F-16 fighter pilot. So when you finally unleash that kind of America's talent into a wicked problem, what you see is a group of people that have individual skills that combine together and solve problems. And that's what we did for Afghanistan, Iraq, and a bunch of other nameless things, which is okay if the country doesn't know about. Nobody knows about them, right? That's right. And uh, it's because they were successful. So we tend to glorify sometimes some things that were very heroic but unsuccessful. And as a group of friends, we have done a tremendous amount of successful, unknown things for the country. But, you know, we didn't just stop there. This business of bourbon started well before the Revolutionary War. If you look throughout the history at some of America's most iconic brands, they were started by veterans who came home after conflict and returned back to their wives and their families, their farms and their country and really built the bourbon and whiskey economy that we see today. And we figured we could do the same thing. That is awesome. It is awesome. Including George Washington, George uh, kind of Washington. in a different way, including our nation's first president. So let's talk a little bit about Horse Soldier Bourbon, founded in 2015. Yes. And it is primetime great. <laughs> Your brand is all American, ultra premium whiskey. Can you share with us the name? Many people may know, but many people may not know how you got the name Horse Soldier Whiskey. So, Horse Soldier, so when we first went into Afghanistan, you don't know how you're going to figure out this problem. And the problem for us was you had a remote regional location like Afghanistan, extremely mountainous. You had an enemy we didn't understand at the time, the Taliban and Al-Qaeda, right? So there was no national intelligence. As a matter of fact, our intelligence packet was a manila folder with about three pages. And I think we gathered more information from National Geographics about Afghanistan because the country really had taken its eye off. When we first got into country, the way that the Mujahideen fighters were maneuvering away from the Taliban that had all those Russian tanks and armor was on horseback. So we didn't know that until you landed on the ground. And then you basically have to fight as your guerrilla army fights. And within the first week, we had 350 horse rider cavalry, basically. And by the third week, we had went from village to village telling America's story, why we were here. And then we raised a horse cavalry of 3,500 riders and 1,000 infantry that in less than 90 days, we had defeated 50,000 Taliban and their Al-Qaeda supporters. So that became 
what was known as the horse soldiers. Fast forward, yes, they wrote a book. It wasn't until 2006, 2007. Yes, there was a big Hollywood movie called 12 Strong. Yes, there's been documentaries. Nobody participated in that and nobody benefited from that. So imagine, you know, after a long, illustrious career, you're standing around going, what should we do next? And it just like most things in America, it starts at a bar and it starts by asking the bartender curious questions, right? What kind of bourbon is that? What do you mean there's a mash bill? What kind of ingredients? So that innocent curiosity led us on a path that basically took us to Scotland, to Ireland, to Kentucky, and we sought out other veteran-owned distilleries and just became journeymen on the business of whiskey and bourbon. There's no greater American story than what we're listening to right now. So thank you. And just to get the optics right, you were in Afghanistan. October 19th, 2001 was the yeah. beginning. That's right. I know that I was there until June of 2002 when I came home. The same group of men were then asked to lead the invasion of Iraq in 2003. So I left November of 2002 to be prepared. If you recall, the invasion of Iraq went very quickly. George Bush had a very famous moment on an aircraft carrier that said mission complete. Yeah. We came home for a few months and they decided to send us to Africa. That took about seven months of operations there. And then they sent us back to Iraq when things were really contested. Think Fallujah. Think some of these big oh, yeah. battles. And we did this until some of us were you know, either killed or injured or we just kept going. So this country's last 20 years of conflict, the majority of the burden has been held by our special operations forces. So that's less than 0.1% of our nation's fighting forces. So we spent a lot of years in conflict. Absolutely. And if you look back, for those of you old enough to remember, you know, 9-11 and all the emotions around that, I remember it explicitly, you know, October, when the news was coming out that great Americans were going into Afghanistan. It's just high octane time. So thank you for that. Since Horse Soldier has become front page news, there's been a lot of films and documentaries. We've talked about this, CNN and so forth. Mm -hmm. What has all of that response meant to you? I mean, my sense is a little bit, you've lived your life and you want to make great whiskey and you're not all about the exposure of that yes. because you're a very humble man. But what has all that response meant to you? Well, there's two mottos in the Green Berets. Number one is De Oppresso Liber, which is free the oppressed, right? So that is what Green Berets do. We're more mountain men that then go to our stair locations and raise guerrilla armies, and we fight for the oppression. The second part is we're known as the quiet professionals, right? We leave others to tell our story. And what I mean by that is we're all quite comfortable that nobody knows some of the country's business because it's okay. We still have Green Berets in over 55 countries at any one time, right? So my story is just one story that has been highlighted. Now, the good thing about us is in the books, it was all fake names. Yeah. In the movies, it was all fake names. So nobody really knew us from Adam. But fast forward to Whiskey. And we enjoy, over a good whiskey and bourbon, horse soldier, I got to plug that, 
telling stories, and we call it whiskey and war stories, and that's when we get a chance not to beat our drums, talk about that we're all 10 feet tall, and we could jump trains with a single bound. No, we served our country. We met some amazing humans that we are still friends with. We talk about the morals and values of our servicemen and service women that translate into small businesses. So our storytelling today isn't about what Scott did. It's about what we did. For the cause. Right? Yes. There's no I, right? There's we. And so when we go out in the community now, because we have a small business, and yes, we want to promote our small business, we actually spend you know, a little bit of time talking about reconciling the emotion of 9-11. Just like you said, you remember it. There's some deep issues that you have to go through. Well, it's the same for a New Yorker or a first responder, somebody that lost a loved one, this is this generation's Pearl Harbor. And now that we're 21 years past it, as a matter of fact, I went to West Point the other day, and none of the West Point cadets were alive when 9-11 happened. So how do you transfer that emotion and you do it through storytelling? And so now that we're older, we're no longer serving our country in those capacities Yes, Hollywood made all of this movie. We can talk about that. And we talk about it through events, you know, at virtual events. I think COVID showed us we had to adapt and we went virtual very fast and did storytelling. So that's kind of what's helped us is taking who we were and blending it with who we are today. Here's my hands. Absolutely. We are an American success story because we're living the American dream we were defending. A group of friends who knew nothing about the business decided we wanted to start a business. We had very little money. And yet here we are, seven years later, talking about strategic partnerships, KPIs and pods. And you thought there was enough acronyms in the military. Wait till you get into Sparrow's business and you have to learn a whole new vocabulary. No doubt about it. Great company like Gallo making an investment in is just another example of that, right? Just like anything, you have to prove your value, right? As we study the bourbon business and the whiskey business, we went around the world. We learned three things. One, you have to have good juice. People will buy it for the novelty only once. And if it isn't any good, it'll be on the back bar forever. Number two, the packaging has to look exceptional. And you can see behind me, is my barrel strength, and you've got a bottle there. The wives had a mandate, and Miss Elizabeth, who's also a co-founder, I call her Snow White because we're the seven dorks, Yeah, is she wanted bar jewelry. She wanted something that stood out, and as you're scanning 40 feet away out of the back of a bar, there's a sea of paper. Yeah, And she said it has to be beautiful. So that was number two. And number three And that is where the business comes in is sustainability. You have to have enough juice to provide customers because a liquor store owner will not keep an empty shelf. So those were our three guiding principles. And when it came to partnerships, obviously, we know we can't do it all ourselves. And we found in Gallo a family-owned traditional business. They've been around almost 100 years. We see our business as 100 years because we can't give our kids a footlocker full of war medals. We just can't. So Gallo approached us himself. Mr. West, obviously very well known in the industry. Brett came and he saw the opportunity. It was a lot of tough negotiations. 
I don't think they were used to uh, somebody fighting as well as we do, but we're fighters. But all that mid- Green Beret. Green yeah, Beret yeah. fighters, uh, we don't go easy. But once you form the partnership, it's onward. So now that was almost 60 days ago. We have fully trained our auxiliary forces, which is Gallo's sales team, which is world-class. We have now armed and equipped them with delicious, yummy bourbon, and they are going forth to help tell our story, you know, not only to the public, but to those restaurants and liquor stores that'll help us grow the brand. It is awesome. And congratulations on that. Thank you. How important is authenticity in producing bourbon in general? Uh, Authenticity is a very interesting word, and I love that you bring that up. Most bourbon brands are historic, right? Yeah. Trying to claim authenticity. They're trying to claim a personality 200 years ago, 100 years ago. Madison Avenue tries to blend an ounce of history with an ounce of authenticity into it. I tell everybody, number one, we're modern history right? You can't call Jack Daniels on the phone. You can't call Jim Beam, but you can call a horse soldier and he'll answer the phone. Number two is transparency and authenticity need to come together. This business is very unique in that there's only two ingredients, mother nature and father time. And because it is bourbon, you cannot add anything that isn't from mother nature, right? And if it's good bourbon, You can't disturb father time. And I know there's a lot of attempts at innovation and it becomes the easy route because as a small business owner with very little amount of funds, you have to do everything you can to bring in revenue, the business side of the business. Drive efficiency. Drive efficiencies, all of that. But you can't microwave bourbon. And what I mean by that is we remember one of our principles was it has to taste good. And you cannot replicate father time. And so it became very hard in the beginning of our businesses to have the patience to let our bourbon age. And that meant we had to stunt our growth because everybody loves a story. Everybody loves the packaging. Everybody wants to buy more of it. Well, it's hard to say no. And even with our partner in Gallo, it's hard to say, but this is what we have sleeping. And this is when we can wake it up. And once we are 10 years into this business, different story. Once we have our own distillery and I'm producing 5 million proof gallons, I hope, I pray. It's coming. It's It's coming. coming. You know what I mean? So you have to have a long 100-year view of your brand to be successful. Absolutely. Your mission is to continue to create award-winning, legendary line of bourbons, which is the embodiment of the American spirit and horse soldier's legacy in a battle. Now, this may be a little bit of a silly question, asking a patriot this <laughs> question, but why is cultivating American-made products so important to you? If you become a fan of bourbon, you have to become a fan of history of this country. Very first off is whiskey was born of conflict. And what I mean by that is started with the Sugar Act before the Revolutionary War that transitioned this country from rum to whiskey, right? Because the grain of America was rye at the time. So we transitioned off of sugarcane. Next, the very first tax to pay for the Revolutionary War was a tax on whiskey. So if you look at our own country's history of patriotism and service, right, and homegrown and homemade, whiskey was it. 
And it came from immigrants as well. Let's not forget that the people that built this country brought that knowledge from Irish, Scots, Irish distillers and farmers. Fast forward to when do you finally declare something is yours? And that's in 1964 when Congress approved bourbon as a distinct product of the United States of America. This is a global market and a global economy. I've lived it. I've been around the world. I've seen the influence of others. I've been on the battlefield, and I've seen the prestige of scotch be undermined by the necessity of a Jack Daniels. I've been in remote places where I walk into some place that shouldn't have a bar, but there was a bar. And yes, you could have this or that's of local economy, but what stood out was a little bottle of Jack Daniels. And so our belief is America can tell its story and its history of freedom, of fighting for independence and revolution, and a quality-made product all around the world, which I think the world needs, right? There's not too many shiny beacons. Yeah. And as we grow our business, I'm proud the day that I can get a picture or a note from somebody overseas and they say, hey, I saw in the wild a bottle of horse soldier bourbon. Wow. Scott, we just had good news. You know, we grappled with tariffs between the U.S. and the EU and the U.K. And American whiskey exports are back on the rise because those tariffs have been suspended. Yes. And we've seen exports increase by 21%, which is great news and more to come. Veterans Day is coming up on Friday, November 11th. Very, very important for me. I'm the son of veterans. It's a day to remember those who have fought and served for our country. Yes. What does that day mean to you? I think Veterans Day, as you said, we should honor service, right? There's nothing more noble in this culture in America than those that sacrifice prosperity, family, wealth, all of these things to do something to serve a principle. And that principle is our fellow countrymen and women and this idea of everybody should be free and independent. And what I mean by, you know, what were those simple words, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness? We're the only country that tries to export that and support other oppressed countries. Now, remember, Veterans Day is a day of honoring veterans who are alive or who were in your family and served. It's not Memorial Day where we honor those that have fallen. So Veterans Day becomes even more important because we should remind the next generation that we'll need them to serve as well. So you only do that by honoring the past and they need to see it. Just like our athletes, we've acclaimed them so much that we have an entire generation that believes that their obligation is to be the best at a sport. And yet as adults and those of us who have served or who have family members to serve, we need to get this next generation keen on serving those ideas and serving this country in a capacity. Absolutely. And I think recently we've seen a downward of people signing up. So that's something that the nation's going to have to grapple with. Scott, you would know this, you know, our American heroes, they struggle with significant stress and sacrifice, you know, especially when transitioning into civilian life. And yes, this is something that we have worked on at responsibility.org in support of our veterans community, veterans that suffer from PTSD and so forth. But all too often resources are limited or lacking. Yes. Uh, what are some of the ways you think civilians 
can help be supportive of our veterans as they make that transition to civilian life for sure? Well, I think there's a few things. And I sit on quite a few veteran councils, just like Veterans Advisory Board. I sit on President Bush's Veterans Advisory Board. I testify with the Senate Committee and and Congressional Committee on Veteran Services. Here's a few things. Number one is always honor the service, but also encourage that veteran to get into the economy. I think sometimes we message our veterans that all you're lost you're broken. And if you say that a thousand times to somebody, they start to believe it a little too much. Where we should do is help pull to the other side. And it's very unfortunate that Department of Defense that creates a veteran is about as wide as the Grand Canyon when it comes to the Veterans Administration that takes on a veteran. And if you look at the amount of funding, over $300 billion this year to the Veterans Affairs, less than 1% is vocational rehabilitation getting that veteran to be able to get into the job force. It's easier now to sign for a student loan of $100,000 than it is to support a veteran-owned business of a $50,000 business loan, right? So we have some disparities. We need to get the narrative of get back in the economy. The economy needs you. Get back into civil service. This country needs you. Run for a position in government, in local government, in school boards. This country needs you. I think we have a message problem. And finally, I take alcoholism and veterans head on. Why? I am an alcohol brand. Uh, People look confused when how can you promote that as a veteran. I think we've misclassified how to drink and why to drink, right? And how to celebrate and how to restrain yourself. We've taught soldiers in combat to have restraint, right? to be thoughtful, to be mindful, to show up on time, all of these other things, that doesn't mean you get a free pass as a civilian either. So I do a lot of hard conversation with friends and others. I teach people how to be a censor like bartenders. They're this country's censors sometimes for mental health when they talk to people. Absolutely. They pick everything up. They do. They pick everything up. And so how do we train bartenders about identifying veterans and how do we equip them to make recommendations or point them towards resources or give them a better opportunity to change themselves and the direction they're heading? Absolutely. And thank you for your work with George W. Bush Military Service Initiative. That's awesome. That's when the president will take veterans and go on bike rides in West Texas and so forth? He's hyper competitive, which is funny. He loves veterans and he has a tear in his eye. You know, there's a lot of comments about why he does so much for veterans, but I've seen a genuine side as a human. Next is he cuts us no slack when he's out there on the mountain bike or the golf course. He won't let me golf with him anymore because I'm not that good. You think I'd be in Florida, I could play a little better, but he's good. But He'll talk trash? He'll talk with the best of them. But I built recently a monument. Not only do we have the statue, the horse soldier statue at Ground Zero, but we built something here in St. Pete, and he donated the trees because he has a tree farm. So he's yeah. very civically minded. He checks up on all of us. He actually painted a portrait of me as well which I'm very humbled and honored to have that. But I would not trade my time with the president before this all happened and we served and even after. I enjoyed immensely. Awesome. Awesome. Looking ahead. Yes. Horse Soldier Bourbon will be making its forever home in beautiful Somerset, Kentucky. I didn't know this, but the most southern stop in the Kentucky Bourbon Trail. Yes. 
What are you most looking forward to about this particular project? A few things. Number one is for Forever Home, right? This is going to be our brand home that we will spend our time rocking on a chair on a front porch greeting people, and we're going to make delicious bourbon. Number two, we were on the Cumberland River when 9-11 happened doing a training exercise. Our property is on the Cumberland, so it symbolizes us coming home. I got it. Oh, that yes. is Yes, we call them Godwings. Sometimes things speak to you. And as we looked all around Kentucky, we saw the hustle and bustle of Louisville. We saw the every mile distilleries of Lexington and Bardstown. And when we found Little Somerset, it was as time forgot and we remembered what small town America was on a lake with a beautiful, we bought an old golf course, right? And we said, this is our forever home. We're excited. Wow. Pretty cool. And look, it had to be in Kentucky, right? Yes. It had to be in Kentucky. I spent 17 years at Fort Campbell, Kentucky in the 5th Special Forces Group. So my father's in Kentucky, uh, John Coco, his kids grew up at Kentucky Day School. We have tremendous amount of Kentucky roots. And obviously, Kentucky as a brand home is what we needed to do. So, Scott, you have probably met many, many fascinating people here in the United States and abroad and all of the above. If there's one person, deceased or alive, mm -hmm. that you would want to have a bourbon with, huh. uh, it could be family, anybody, who would that person be? I think Winston Churchill would be fun myself. but Winston Churchill is one because that's how President Bush decided to take up painting because he read Winston's book after he left office, right? And next is obviously Ernest Hemingway. He was a man of daring do. Oh. And it's funny, yeah. you know, I learned the term daring do not too long ago. And here was this charismatic person that had a gift of writing a simple story that traveled the world from safaris to hand grenades and Tommy guns, you know, in the Straits of Florida looking for German U-boats. I want to have a drink with him so I can convince him not to kill himself, unfortunately, and to write. I knew that there was another great novel in that man's mind that I would like to know about. Pretty amazing. Well, Scott Neal, Horse Soldier, Bourbon, look, on behalf of the Distilled Spirits Council. Thank you. And I wish that I could speak on behalf of our nation. Thank you for your service. Thank you for the wonderful whiskey. Snow White did. Awesome. Yes, she did. And just know how much we appreciate all that you have done. Appreciate the fact that what you are contributing to the distilled spirits industry for everybody as we celebrate Veterans Day. Think about opportunities to hire a veteran yes. because they are going to be the best in values and they're going to contribute significantly to your business. And just great cheers to you and great thank you to all of our veterans around the country. Well, thank you very much, Chris. And thank you for the fight that you're doing for us. I didn't really realize. I thought the Army had lots of rules and regulations, but apparently this industry does too. Right and as everybody else is fighting for their pie. I've watched you day in and day out fight for this industry and making sure that our equities are just as prevalent as any other industry is in, in Congress. And all guided by responsibility, of course, as you so eloquently pointed out. Yes. I get up every day and the team at Discus and responsibility.org, yes. we get up every day because we believe in 
this great American success story that you're living, that all distillers are trying to live every day to bring great products and great whiskey and great distilled spirits to the marketplace here in the United States and around the world. So, Scott, thank you very much, and cheers to you. Cheers, Chris. Great Port Soldier whiskey. It's prime time good. Thank you very much, my friend. I hope we have many more conversations. I'd like to give a big thank you to Scott for joining us today to talk a little bit about his story and the work that he is doing for Horse Soldier Bourbon. Let me just say, it was just nothing but a privilege for me to spend some time with him. I'd also like to thank you for listening to the episode of the Spirited Advocate podcast. Ask your bartender for Horse Soldier Bourbon. And remember, always, always enjoy responsibly. And also, be sure to subscribe to the show and never miss an episode. I'm Chris Swanger, and this has been the Spirited Advocate Podcast, brought to you by the Distilled Spirits Council of the United States. 